Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's schoolai.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is the Summer of AI series brought to you by AIleader.info. That's where you can learn all about AI specifically in a place designed for educators through three-minute masterclasses. Go check that out at AIleader.info. I'm excited to have on the program today Dave Hurwitt. He is an innovator. Over the course of his, of his career, he's led the development and launch of new products and services from toothpicks to wind turbines that have generated well over a billion dollars in sales. Having worked in admissions through graduate school, he was amazed by how little technology and the internet had impacted the college search and admissions process. And even more, he was dismayed to discover how often students were transferring or dropping out altogether. In early 2020, this led to his founding of Truve, a two-sided AI-powered platform to help students discover their passions, people, and place based on the real experiences of recent alumni and current higher education students. Dave, welcome to Transformative Principle. Great to have you here. Thank you, Jethro. I'm really pleased to be here. We've got a great conversation coming for people. What do you think people should take out of this conversation? What should they look forward to? Yeah, I, you know, well, first of all, listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would say, yeah, for me, the conversation we had around what are some specific next steps that you can take as a principal, as an education leader, to get your team, to get your school moving in the right direction without fear that you don't yet know exactly what all this is going to mean, that it's okay to take that next step, even though it's not crystal clear. If it's the right one, if it's where it's going to lead, it's okay. Get started. And I think we have some great stuff for you about that. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say something similar for what I think people should get out of this. And I think the big thing for me is that we may be talking about a specific thing here, 
but the strategies and tools that you use to make decisions and the way that you go about implementing something, I think is what people can really get out of this. It doesn't have to be complete. You don't have to be able to see the end yet. Yeah. You can see the first couple steps and then just start moving in that direction and things will become clear as you start doing that. Yeah. And if, and if I could add one thing too, that I, yeah. I the conversation I enjoyed was it, it's very easy to think about what could go wrong with implementation of AI. Dedicate some time to thinking about what could go right as well, right? Yeah. If just on the college side, if we are launching students more successfully into their careers, their educations, their adult lives, imagine what that could be if it was frictionless and perfected. And if AI can help get you there, then let's be willing to take those steps without necessarily seeing where that footfall is going to land, but trust that, oh my goodness, if we get this right, that's worth the journey. Yeah, very good. I think that's a great thing to start people off with. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Dave Hurwitt. We'll get to that in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool. It's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one -on -one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, Visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. So Dave, explain to us how Truve works and why you created it also. Absolutely, Jethro. It's a two-sided matching platform for students and for schools. And I first came at this as a parent. I had worked in college admissions through undergraduate and through business school and then went away from it professionally, didn't work in admissions, and had a career developing brand new products and services in a range of different industries. And then my high school students, I have three children who are now three adults, but the first of them was getting ready to start to look at colleges. And I was expecting to find a very different, more modern system that had been impacted by the internet, which had been invented since that child was born. And what I found was a system that was profoundly unaffected by the internet. And yes, kids submit things online. They Google search their colleges now, but that really doesn't help the fundamental flow of information. So I started looking at this with my sort of product development lens that I tend to look at everything through and thought that there would be some very different technologies used to match students with schools that we often use in everyday life today. So whether it's Netflix suggesting a new series for you to watch or Amazon, a new product for you to buy, those systems are built on the pattern of behavior or preferences that you have and exhibit through the usage of their, their system compared to the people that have come before you and had experiences with those same products or things that maybe you haven't found yet. 
And it occurred to me as I, again, went through this with my daughter, that she has patterns of behavior as a student and as a community member in her school that would either fit or not fit with colleges and universities. And that those colleges and universities are filled with experienced users. In fact, the largest part of every school are the alumni. And so we can use AI to figure out what those patterns are, what effectively is the culture of any given school, both in and out of the classroom, and then turn that into a digital filter that any student can very quickly use to figure out at the beginning of their search process, which are the schools where I have the highest probability, not just of getting in, because there's an obsession with getting in. That's not the problem that most kids have. The problem is getting out, right? Where am I going to be successful? So we model successful graduates and enrolled students in colleges and universities, find their patterns of, of preference for academic and social culture, and then make that available to prospective students to, to quickly figure out where their people go to school and where they find success. Yeah, this is super fascinating. What you do is you basically give a 15-minute quiz asking potential students about what their interests are and things like that. How do you ask the right questions to get the answers that will make sense of those patterns? Because yeah. there, there are a lot of things that some people don't even know are valuable or meaningful to them until they don't exist, right? Or until they're right. missing from their life. So how do you ask those questions and then get those insights? Yeah. So we started with the basic premise that there is at any given school, there is an in and out of classroom culture that are going to be similar, but they are brother, sister, or cousins. They're not the same. You have to look at both of them. And that, as you say, whether the student is in high school or whether they are an adult learner, we aren't necessarily perfectly articulate about what are the set of conditions in the classroom that sort of get me most excited, get me most drawn into the conversation. And conversely, what are the ones that, that get me to shut down? I am not a psychologist. I am not an administrator at a university. I'm not a high school guidance counselor. I'm not a programmer. I'm not a data scientist. I'm a guy who thinks of ideas and looks at situations, looks at services and says, why or why not are we doing this? Why are we doing something that that makes any sense? And if not, let's step back and come up with a different way. So I typically spend a lot of time going to finding experts. And so I went and found industrial psychologists who explained psychological safety to me, which may or may not be a familiar term to some of your listeners. Yes. But it should it's, be to my listeners. We talk it, about it yeah. a lot here. Yeah. And so they explained it to me in sort of my fifth grade kind of level. They said, look, this is like a turtle in their shell. There are a set of conditions that are going to allow that turtle to feel comfortable enough to stick their head out and be their turtle self. And so what are the set of conditions in the classroom that make you come alive as a student? Where do you feel like you can really hit another gear, Right. And then the same thing outside the classroom. So they then helped us to construct a series of questions around that that do not presume that you know exactly what the answers are, but we ask you questions that we think are relevant. And we do all this on a data science-driven platform that essentially says more data is going to make us smarter and better as we go. We don't have to be perfect from the get-go. We just have to keep layering in more and more data because the idea of machine learning is that my brain might be able to process a half a dozen different variables as I think about fit, whereas a computer's brain could process essentially an unlimited number of variables and find patterns 
that are actually that attraction. So I don't necessarily have to know it. I just have to feed enough data. And so we built this quiz. Like you said, it takes, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes, depending on how you want to take that quiz. And it's built around some basic demographics, name, where do you live, when do you graduate, those things. And then it's built around social culture preferences and learning culture preferences. So the social culture questions are, what do you and your friends like to do for fun? The kinds of activities that you find enjoyable? What kind of amenities are you looking for? And the learning culture piece is actually really interesting because today, for the most part, we all assume that academic aptitude is, a me is the measure of academic fit, right? Is this kid's GPA appropriate for this school? Does this transcript match this major? And it's not unimportant, but it's not the whole picture because how I learn is profoundly different than how some of my children learn and how others learn. And so if I can find my way into a school and a major where I am really well connected to the way people, the school teaches, I am a sort of visual learner. I like to learn by doing, I like to get out and have internships and having a learning environment where it's not just go to a big lecture hall and be spoken to, that didn't work for me. So adding that to aptitude is what this learning culture fit is all about. So we ask a series of questions around the kinds of conditions that you're looking for. And then we just pattern match with the people that have gone to different schools who have answered the same questions for us to suggest that that kind of environment that you find most attractive is available in these schools and not these schools. So start your search with the ones where you're going to find that success. Yeah. So our purpose here is not to not to talk about truths specifically, but to get some of these ideas that you're sharing uh, into our brains. And one of the things that you said is that it doesn't have to be perfect to start. But Dave, you're talking about people's futures and their careers. And how can you say it doesn't have to be perfect to start when somebody could make a decision based on what your algorithms and machine learning recommend? And so how do you balance that with you don't have to be perfect to start and this is a really big decision? Yeah, I I think rather than say it doesn't have to be perfect to start, it's more accurate to say it doesn't have to be complete to start. And the difference to me is that more data is always going to be better, right? If I knew, if I'm coaching a team and I knew every single tendency of every single player and I could get in three steps ahead of every athlete on the field, I'm better off than sending people out with a general game plan that says they like to play this way. What I mean by saying that I think we don't have to be perfect to start some of that imperfection as well is, the, for example, the duration of the quiz. If it takes you 15 minutes, that's a lot less time than it takes you to take the SAT, but it might be beyond the attention span of a 16-year-old. So if I can turn that into three minutes and use some of the really exciting chat GPT kind of generative AI stuff that, that is available now, then I want to do that, but I don't have to have that perfected in order to get started. The reality today, Jethro, is that the percent of students that graduate within six years from the first college or university that they enroll in is 51%. So it is wow. almost literally the flip of a coin as to whether that choice that you're making about that sort of first big adult decision of your life of where to go to college, it's a flip of a coin as to whether you're getting it right. Yeah. So if I can move 51 to 55 to 60 to 80 then we're moving in the right direction and every step matters. 
Yeah. And I want to take that idea and just pull back a little bit and think about the broader educational context that we're talking about here that, as you said, doesn't have to be complete to start. And if there's a situation where it's a flip of a coin, whether or not someone is successful at doing something, then you're not really taking a risk at harming anyone by trying something new or by applying some new technologies to a situation. And that's, that's kind of the thing that I want people to be thinking about that. One of my big frustrations is that people are saying we can't let kids use chat GPT, for example, to help them write essays because then it's not their work and that's academically dishonest. And then in nearly the same breath, the principals are saying to me, we can't let them do that, but can you tell me how I can have ChatGPT help me write a better newsletter? And it's like, you know, what's really the difference there? The difference is that nobody's grading you on your newsletter, but it's a thing that you have to get done, which by the way, is the same as an essay, a thing they have to get done, doesn't have any real meaning outside of that moment. And it doesn't matter as much as we feel like it does. And so I would encourage people to feel like they can take a chance and try figuring some of these things out and seeing how they can work in their schools and see what they can do because there's a lot of room to play. The concern about misuse of the technology is valid. And that is true with any new thing, right? The introduction of the automobile, the introduction of air travel, whatever it might be, it's, well, geez, the worst could happen. Yes, it could. And we need to take steps to have that not happen. I think part of the principal's role is to continue to explore the good stuff, the benefits, the how can we use this positively? I was listening to a conversation the other day about using ChatGPT4. Actually, I think it was Sal Khan who was having this conversation from the Khan Academy, talking about how sitting down and having a conversation effectively with Socrates is possible with ChatGPT4. And you can ask today's questions with the wisdom of Socrates answering you and that that ability to trigger thought and connection and understandings in the learner is a profoundly cool thing that didn't exist six or nine months ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm jealous as an old dude that I couldn't (laughs) have that learning experience. Yeah. Right. The continued exploration victorious over the why nots and you continue to seek out the why and the positive applications, because I think there are, we're just scratching the surface and the big, scary negatives are correctly scary, but they are not the complete picture mm-hmm. and they need to be balanced by the positive applications. Yeah. We need picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool, it's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations, check. Automatic citations, check. Real-time feedback for educators, you bet. And the best part is, it's not just about making tasks easier. It's about freeing up time for higher-level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. 
So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. need more people making positive applications and doing things that move us in the right direction. And this is part of what I'm talking about in the Summer of AI series is how do we partner better with companies and with experts to figure out how to do this the right way in education and not the wrong way. There's a company out there that focuses on finding kids who are plagiarizing and their whole bent about artificial intelligence is we can now identify when kids are using artificial intelligence and then you can bust them for that. And to me, that is just the wrong approach and that will never be the right approach because there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened before that person got to the point of using it to quote unquote cheat that set them up for that expectation. And so we need to take the time to make better choices and choose better things. I want to dive in a little bit to the uh, machine learning behind what you're doing. And I get that you're not a data scientist and that's okay because you surely understand well enough to talk about what it's doing. And you talked about how adding in more data, more information allows more variables and more extrapolation about what's going on. What would be your advice to a principal who's starting to try to learn about this and understand how these things work? What would you say to them to help them understand how that machine learning works and why it works so well in your company? I think being open to sharing data and information about yourself is generationally, if you were to plot this on a graph, then the correlation between willingness to share and age is probably really tightly correlated, right? The older you are, the more reserved you are about sharing your data. I think you have to look at today's generation. It's even sort of silly at this point to talk about digitally native kids or internet yeah, because of course they are, right? It's It's been 30 years. And so every kid alive today is used to dating apps and living their lives on the internet and and having that level of sharing that would have made your parents go, go crazy and their grandparents would have just, they couldn't even conceive of such a thing. But if you accept that these students today have a different standard than you do, then I think we need to, rather than try to fight them and push them up our conservatism curve, we need to meet them down where they are and say, okay, How can we make the sharing of that information safer? How do we protect them from the bad guys? How do we keep their data safe? But then how can we use that data so that they can see themselves more clearly and find opportunity more successfully? And that's really my focus at Truve is to help students. We're not here trying to say in a sort of a dystopian way that we can figure out everything about you and then assign you to a school, right? That feels very sort of, communist block 1980 kind of to me, but rather to say today we live in a system where we ask teenagers to pick from a set of schools that's incomplete with incomplete information about those schools. And they're going to be missing massive opportunities and they're not going to understand. I mean, how many teenagers regularly have used the verb to major before they start to get into the college admissions process? So let us help them. Let us use the fact that their lives are lived in the open digitally, certainly to degrees. Some kids are more sort of prone to posting and things, but much more so than I think 
the generation before them. So I think there are definitely ways where we can all consistently say, if we can help to create the tools that allow you to connect, for example, with your passion, think about that timeline. If you had a system just speaking about the enrollment process in general, where you took a young person at the beginning of their high school career, and you said, look, I can tell you for certain that there are places at the next level in higher education that are perfect for you. They're going to be so excited to have you for you, right? It's not about what your big sister or big brother was able to get into. It's not about what the kid down the street got into this school, or it's not about that. There are, if you are your authentic self and you are doing your absolute best, there are schools that are just for you. And that's so cool. And we can use this technology to help you say, you're passionate about gaming or about farming or whatever it is. And here are some careers that you might be able to get into. And let's explore that. You, let's use the technology to help you see through to all those different things. And then we can work backwards and say, if that sounds interesting to you, we have the data on how the people that are having that kind of life that you think is so cool got to those places. What's the education that you're going to need to get from here to there? And if so, where could you go for that? And where are the kind of places where you're most likely to find not just acceptance and enrollment, but actual graduation success and attainment of that career and job opportunities? And what's the ROI of that? So that yeah. you and your family can make really informed decisions. One of my goals for this is to integrate what we're doing with the financial side of things, with the career side of things, so that we create this really seamless tool for families to help young people who feel so much pressure. And I'm not telling principals anything that I don't know about the pressure these students yeah. feel. That if I get this decision wrong, my first adult decision, my life is over, right? I mean, you hear that kind of stuff yeah. all the time. I remember back when I was in school, I actually went to a boarding school for high school and we had a big, huge wall of mailboxes where come April or whenever it was, the college decision started to come out and they came in letter form back then. Mm -hmm. That wall was referred to as the wailing wall, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. there's this pressure around college acceptance is not new, but we can depressurize that by adding and infusing information and confidence and visibility to success on the other side and using technology to help guests from here to there. Yeah. And as you were explaining that, every principal listening to this is thinking, I know a counselor who can do that with one or two schools with one or two kids. Right. And we've all seen it. And it's amazing. And when that happens and the person comes in and they get to know them and they understand what their strengths and weaknesses are, then it's amazing. But that takes time and that takes energy and that takes people, which can be very expensive, not just in time, but in resources and money endeavor to make yeah. that happen. And so we I think we should be taking advantage of these opportunities and figuring them out so that we can help kids be more, more successful as they grow up. That our job to me doesn't end when they walk across the stage. I think we should be judged much more on how they do 10 years after they graduate than how they do on an assessment in the middle of the school year, because right. we're not trying to create kids who can pass assessments. We're trying to create healthy, functional, contributing to society adults. And that's really what I think the goal of education is. And think of that as a data loop where you said, okay, you really connected with a kid and you helped them and you saw them off at graduation, and then you might not ever see them again. 
or you saw them again five, seven, 10 years later, and they came back and they told you, I am so grateful to you because you did this and this, or you just don't know, you wonder what happened to this kid. Imagine if you could now close that data loop and say, there are ways for you to get that feedback so that you could know better which of the things you were doing had the best, most positive impact. And conversely, what, if anything, that you're doing that's having a negative impact on these kids. And seeing that progression and measuring it um, in a very productive way that allows you to be a better teacher, principal, whatever it might be. I don't know how you could look at that as anything other than a significant benefit. For sure. So my last question for you today is, is, is this too complicated? Is it too difficult for someone like a principal in a school to start using the data that they have and machine learning to start making decisions? Is it too hard for them? Do they need to go find an expert? Do they need to start employing a data scientist in every school? What's your advice to someone who's saying, okay, this is great. I want to apply this at my school, just on my little microcosm. What would be your advice to them? Just start taking steps. Find a few things which you can trial and maybe push to your staff. Not necessarily the imperative, but the request to say, hey, on the teaching side, on the athletic side, on the administrative side, the counseling side, go explore and come back to me with three or four ideas, three or four new technologies that you didn't know about that might be useful. And let's find a few that we can afford to trial. Really important to me was the economic impact that you had mentioned earlier about just generally speaking, in the college search business, wealthier kids do better, right? Mm -hmm. They have people helping them through the process and they have more means to get into school and all kinds of things like that. So we intentionally, for example, made our service free to schools, free to the high schools and to the students and their families and counselors. So it's completely free to use our service and give it a try. The schools are collectively paying billions today. The colleges and universities are paying billions to find the right students. And if we can help them with that and sort of get our little revenue stream from that, that's great. So we would be an example of go find a service that's designed to help kind of get started. And mm -hmm. the old expression about don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. And I think there are lots of different little startup technologies, a lot of companies out there that if you were to find the, your experts and your coaching staff, you're teaching all these different areas and say, go find a few things. Go do some research, go dig around on the internet. They'd actually probably be using some AI tools without knowing it in those search. Go ask ChatGPT what would be good for a high school guidance counselor to use. I don't know what it would say, but I just put the imperative back and make it kind of a fun exercise, but bring it back and bring it back to the table and let everyone talk about it. And then go ahead and take a few steps. Mm -hmm. Just get started, right? That journey of the thousand miles starts with that single step. Just take a few steps because I understand budgets are tight and times are tight and all of that is totally valid. But are there some tools that you could be using that might take you in that direction? And students would get excited about that. And they can also bring initiative to this as well and bring that energy and bring some extra time to things that you, that your staff might not have the time to be able to work on. It's amazing when you ask teenagers about technology and what's good and what's cool and what works. And I think putting it out there and asking them to take some accountability for just finding some place to start yeah. is the best advice I could give. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. And I appreciate you being here, Dave. This has been a great conversation. If you're a high school principal, especially truve.me, T-R-O-O-V-E.me, is there anywhere else you want people to connect with you, Dave? 
Well, that's that's a great place. They can if they want to connect with me directly, they're more than welcome to reach out. I'm at David at Truve.me. Pretty simple email. If you would like to have this conversation or have someone on your team, I'm more than happy to try to help. But that's the best place. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being part of the Summer of AI series on Transformative Principle. My pleasure, Jeshua. Thank you. Edited by Gage Sanderson.